Welcome to episode 68 of the Logic and Larry podcast. I am your host, Larry Crane, and I want to welcome you on this rainy and dreary and fog-laced Wednesday evening as I record this to our 68th episode. I watch cars whiz up and down Broad Street slow, red lights meandering, headlights meandering. As the city skyscrapers set their lights on And the sun goes down somewhere behind this mist of fog and rain Some skyscrapers I can't even see because they ascend so far into the mist New York City, a distant memory, my skyline view Given this weather, but I'm here to talk to you guys primarily about the Donald Trump indictment Uh, I want to break it down a little bit let you guys know exactly what it entails, what's going on, etc., etc. As you know, everything I say in this podcast is strictly my opinion. It is not the opinion or the official position or the position of any other person or any other entity. I am not speaking to you in any type of official capacity. I am only speaking to you as a private citizen, Larry Crane, from me to you. But you know, we keep it real. And so, first of all, in the news, we're in for maybe a rough summer since OPEC has once again decided to raise oil prices on us. This was unexpected, and it's going to hurt. In a time where inflation is already through the roof and we can barely deal with it as it is, our generation will get pummeled once again, along with all the the other generations, since we're all kind of here, aren't we? But we're going to get pummeled with these high gas prices, and it's not going to be fun. At some point, we have to just acknowledge that Saudi Arabia, the ringleader of this, is probably not our friend. They recently held a meeting and made a pact with China. China's making pacts with Russia. Of course, you have all these uh, pro-Trump individuals because they have to, you know, like we always talk about, they have to contort whatever's going on to their worldview and make themselves justified. So now they're saying, well, the world is making deals and we're not even in the room because, you know, Biden's the problem or something. But the truth is, and this is well documented, guys, this is just the truth. Trump was placating Russia. Trump was undermining NATO, undermining the NATO alliance, which, by the way, Finland now joining NATO good for NATO. NATO should be strong as ever. You see what's happening over here with China. China's flying quote-unquote weather balloons that are really spy balloons over our military installations. That news came out recently. I'm not sure if you saw, but China is now flying spy balloons. Well, was. That spy balloon that we shot down apparently had been flying over some key military installations. So it's obviously a problem. And at a time when we're going through these international controversies, it's not the time to do what Trump and his cronies want to do, or even Bernie Sanders wanted to do, which was isolate America first, get within our own borders. I got news for you guys, whether you like it or not. The fact is that we are a world power and our commerce and the products that we buy and our supplies and so many other things, including massive industries that employ tons of us, are dependent on global trade. And that's not a new phenomenon from the quote unquote globalists. 
Yes, it's changed somewhat from time to time with different deals like NAFTA and whatnot. And, and you can argue as to the effectiveness or the benefit of some of those deals. That's all fair game. But global trade has been something that's been going on for since the dawn of humanity. The dawn of humanity. So this idea that we can just self-isolate and let the world do whatever it's going to do, and that somehow placating Russia and placating China and undermining our allies and undermining NATO is somehow a good thing, is a complete fantasy. It's complete nonsense. Nonsense is what it is. And so anyway, the international community continues to vex me, and it should vex you because it's, it's not good. It's not good what's going on out there. It's really not. But that is in the news. Uh, Ukraine continues to battle on against Russia. I will not stop referencing that war. I will not stop discussing it. Although presidential hopeful, as we think, Ron DeSantis has recently come out and says, said that he is not really sure he would continue to support Ukraine and we need to look at America first. This is a guy, Ron DeSantis, who... I think has a lot of potential. He's done good things in Florida. Most people agree he's done some good things in Florida, even though he's so much controversy and some of the things he's done are taken out of context. But then this guy just, he can't stop towing the Trump line. Like he has to play to the crowd. And it, with me, it's one thing to stand on principle or if it's just the person you are. But Ron DeSantis, I don't think it's him some of these stupid things he says. I think he's just trying to play to the crowd. And I don't respect people that do that. I can't respect human beings who play to the crowd so much. It's just, it's sneaky, it's slimy, you know? And, and DeSantis came out with Trump's uh, legal issues saying that he would not uh, help with an extradition, which is blatantly illegal. You have to, if one state in the union requests uh, a fugitive from your state, you have to deliver that fugitive. That's just uh, a treaty. It's, it's been happening amongst the states constitutionally from the inception of the country. So for him to say, I'm not going to extradite, just silly stuff, just not upholding the law, first of all, not being a law and order individual. I can't get down with that. You know, and then he talked about the stuff with Ukraine. And now the latest DeSantis nonsense is that he signed a bill. So Florida used to require a permit to carry a handgun. Now, some people have brought to my attention, well, some states don't require a permit. Okay, but Florida has required a permit. And all of a sudden now Florida is repealing the need to carry a permit. This is just after this shooting in Nashville, which, by the way, I spent all, all episode last week railing against and talking about. Yet no one's talking about it now. It's just, oh, par for the course. Another thing in, uh, you know, another school shot up. Let's just turn the page and start talking about Trump getting in trouble in New York. Let's start just repealing gun laws and putting more guns on the streets. Are these people actively trolling us? Are they actively... Actively trying to destroy us from within or are they that damn stupid and impractical are they that hollow are they that hungry for attention and starved for affection from their political constituents that they have to constantly churn out meaningless idiotic laws that are impractical that very well may cost lives just to go hey and pose to Fox News like, what kind of things are we dealing with? And when I say things, I mean politicians. I mean, are they? what's going on with these people? And the left does it, too. They, they pose. You know, they pose for MSNBC with stupid laws that don't make any difference just to stick their fa finger in DeSantis's face. It's all absurd. I, I just lose patience with it all. 
I truly lose patience with it all, which is another reason I've been refraining from kind of being on, you know, online discussions. I haven't been on as many online discussions. I haven't been debating or engaging as much on Facebook because I just feel like, what's the point, right? What's the point of engaging when everybody's so entrenched in some impractical, ridiculous position that cannot be reasoned with, that logic stands no chance up against? What's the point? Right? I'd rather come on here and talk to you guys because you guys are sensible. Right? You guys like a little jazz. You guys like a, a little bit of smooth delivery. You guys like some logic, right? We can, we can vibe with some logic on this rainy, rainy, rainy evening. So let's get into Trump, right? Let's get into Trump. That's why you're here. Let's talk about Donnie J. Trump. Staying in the news now, people on Trump's side think that uh, this indictment is going to help him. And you saw there's already Trump ralliers, Trump supporters in the streets in various areas. Some are cheering him on. Then you had anti-Trump people. Marjorie Taylor Greene, if you didn't see, made her way to New York to rally in support of Donald Trump. And Michael Rappaport, the, the actor, the notorious New York unapologetic actor, was screaming at her. And a lot of New Yorkers were converging on her when she came out of the uh, when she was coming out of the courthouse. Um, you saw some sketches of Trump. You saw some things with Trump. People are selling and proliferating pictures of Trump's mugshot to sell on merchandise and whatnot. Even though I assure you, Trump didn't get a mugshot, so it's not a real mugshot, but they just love stuff like this. So Trump is convinced this is going to help him. He's raised $5 million since the announcement that he was going to be indicted. So he is raising money from this. We will see how it affects things in the long run. But Trump thinks this may help him get elected. And you know what, guys? Looking out at this country, <laughs> looking out at people, looking out at people's ability to think, looking out at people's ability to reason, I got to tell you, I'm a little bit, I'm not so sure Trump's wrong, right? I'm not so sure Trump's wrong. This may well help him for all we know. This may well help him. But we will see. But let's talk about this indictment. So let's let's take it kind of from the beginning so you can really understand what's going on with this thing, right? So first of all, this, this all stems from, and you, you kind of know loosely where it stems from, and you kind of understand vaguely where it stems from, but let me actually break it down for real here. So... It does stem from payments made to Stormy Daniels, who is the notorious former porn star who Trump allegedly paid uh, for sex and then wanted to cover up his relationship with her uh, by paying her off. And the other woman that this involves, because there's two women involved as referenced in the report supporting the indictment. The other woman is a woman named Karen McDougal. And Karen McDougal was another former Playboy model. Now... The allegation is that Trump paid off both of these women, right? It was the owner of the National Enquirer, Michael Cohen, Trump's for former attorney, and Trump himself paid off these two women to stay quiet during the 2016 political campaign season, right? Now, Michael Cohen is the one that they can actually trace like straight up money to. You can trace Michael Cohen, Michael Cohen. I don't know why I keep saying Cohen. Michael Cohen, you can trace him paying money to these women in order for these women to be silent, right? And Michael Cohen in doing that violated federal campaign finance law because essentially this was a campaign expense for Donald Trump. 
And when it was not reported as a campaign donation by Michael Cohen or as a campaign related expense or donation, then Michael Cohen was in violation of federal campaign finance law for essentially spending money on a campaign issue, but not reporting it as a campaign finance issue, right? So theoretically, and the feds came up with this theory or not didn't come up with it, but used this theory successfully in the prosecution against Michael Cohen. At the end of the day, um, they are construing it as a cam- a finance, a, ca- a campaign expense, right? Because the sole purpose of silencing these women was for purposes of the campaign. Therefore, this is a campaign expense. Therefore, Michael Cohen served prison time for violating federal campaign finance law for paying these women and not disclosing it as a campaign-related expense. Now, that is important for the current indictment, although it's a little convoluted, and this gets very important, so I want you to remember that. So now... The allegation from Bragg's office and what has long been the allegation, but ultimately the federal prosecutors, the Southern District of New York, who prosecuted Michael Cohen, declined to prosecute Donald Trump. And there's some controversy there as to whether they declined to prosecute President Trump because he was the sitting president at the time or because they didn't think it would fly. They didn't think it was a strong enough case because then ultimately the Southern District of New York, which is the federal prosecutors, these are different from the state prosecutors. So Alvin Bragg is the district attorney for New York County, for Manhattan. He is the district attorney for Manhattan. But the federal prosecutors are who prosecuted Michael Cohen. Those in the Southern District of New York who work for the federal government, the United States versus Michael Cohen. And this is the city of New York versus Donald Trump. State of New York, really. Through the city. So it's alleged and it's long been alleged that, and by the way, the federal prosecutors declined to prosecute Trump even after he left the presidency. So there's some controversy as to why. But anyway, the allegation has long been and is that even though Cohen paid these two women for their silence, that actually Cohen was acting on behalf of Trump and with the knowledge and blessing of Trump, and further, that Donald Trump Trump compensated Michael Cohen. He compensated Michael Cohen by paying him in installments over the course of time to pay Michael Cohen back for the money he spent on paying off these women to be quiet. Do you follow me so far? If you don't follow me, rewind it. And I'm not saying that to be facetious. Rewind it so you can kind of get all this because it really is important. So the allegation is that Michael Cohen paid these women to keep silent for purposes of the campaign, but never uh, told anybody about that, never reported that as a campaign donation or as a campaign expense. They are alleging that Donald Trump knew that Cohen did this, that he did this in purpose, actually in order to keep covering it up. He had Cohen pay him instead of him, but then he paid Cohen back in installments over time, right? So the... You, you could reason, first of all, why would Cohen pay them out of his own pocket? It doesn't make any sense. No matter how loyal you are, how, how can you be that loyal? Does anybody really think that Cohen paid them out of his own pocket without Trump telling him to or without expecting to be reimbursed? I mean, that's that's kind of silly. Like, I think it, it, it kind of seems obvious what happened here. But without saying that, 
just just assume hypothetically for right now that it is true that Trump told Cohen to pay these women and that Trump would pay them back. What is the indictment currently in New York? What does it have to do with? Well, the indictment in New York, it's 34 counts, right? 34 counts. And all it is, it's the same statute over and over again. The statute is uh, falsifying business records, right? 34 times he's charged with falsifying business records. And the reason it's 34 counts is every time he falsified a record, each instance that a record was falsified is a separate count, right? And from what I understand, each payment to Cohen accounted for two or three falsified records because there was the entry of the check that was a falsified record, the tax you know, document or whatever that had to go in the back end that was a falsified record, etc. So these 34 counts represent a number of payments to Cohen and... It is alleged that because Trump reported these payments in various places as regular legal fees, like he acted like he was just paying his lawyer for regular things. He didn't report what the payments were really for, and the payments allegedly were really for compensating him for paying off Karen McDougal and Stormy Daniels. You with me so far? So, technically, if Trump knew that he was paying money to cover up sexual relations with these women for purposes of the campaign. Technically, if that's true, Trump could also be prosecuted the same way Michael Cohen was in federal law under the Southern District of New York for campaign finance violations. But the Southern District's not doing that. So New York is prosecuting Trump for falsifying records, meaning when he literally paid Cohen and then wrote somewhere in his business ledger that the payment was for legal services, that was a falsification of a record because the payment was really for compensation for Cohen paying off these women. Now, here's where it gets really dicey, right? In New York, that statute, the falsifying business records statute, is a misdemeanor. It's a misdemeanor. It's a low-level offense. So there would be no jail time. I mean, there's probably a couple months jail time, but small fines. It's not a felony, right? So those 34 counts of falsifying business records would normally be 34 misdemeanors. And a lot of times for misdemeanors, you don't even have to go to grand jury and get an indictment that the prosecuting authority can just take you to court just on that because it's not as serious, right? Well, in New York, this particular crime and this particular statute falsifying business records, it can be elevated from a misdemeanor to a felony. And there are certain conditions that have to be present, certain things that the prosecution has to prove in order for this crime to be elevated to a felony. And in this particular case, Bragg's theory is, well, let me back up. One of the ways you can elevate this from a misdemeanor to a felony is if the purpose of falsifying the record was to cover up a crime. So if you can prove that the record was falsified and that the purpose for falsifying the record was to cover up a crime, then falsifying the record becomes a felony, not a misdemeanor, right? So for instance, if you falsified a check to somebody and you said it was for, you know, a renovation of a property, 
You falsified the record because you were lying. But the reason you were lying was because you were paying him off for a drug purchase, illegal narcotics. Well, then the falsification itself would be a felony because you falsified the record to cover up the fact that you were buying drugs, right? Well, here's where it gets super complicated. So Bragg is charging Trump with 34 felony counts of falsifying business records. That means that Bragg is... uh, alleging that Trump falsified these business records in order to cover up a crime. But what crime is Bragg alleging that Trump is covering up when he falsified these business records? Well, Bragg is alleging that Trump falsified the business records to cover up the federal crime of campaign finance violations, right? So... Michael Cohen got prosecuted because he spent money on these women to to keep quiet, which was a campaign expense, but he did not report it as a campaign expenditure or a campaign donation. Therefore, he served time in federal prison for campaign finance violations. The city of New York, the state of New York, Alvin Bragg is arguing, is alleging that Trump covered up these payments, that he falsified these business records in order to cover up his own crime of campaign finance violations. And theoretically, it does make sense, right? If Trump was falsifying the records in order to cover up that he was in a conspiratorial relationship with Cohen, a conspiracy with Cohen to pay off these women and not report it as a campaign expense, then Trump could be perhaps covering up his violation of federal uh, campaign finance law. But here's the thing. State uh, courts, state courts in New York have not resolved the issue of whether or not you can use covering up a federal crime in order to elevate the New York state crime to a felony, right? So it's a say there was a murder. That's a state offense. The state of New York has a murder statute. It's against the law to commit murder in New York. So if somebody was paying a hitman off and they falsified their business record in order to pay off the hitman and cover up the fact that they were paying for a murder, then it's clear that the falsifying business record statute elevates from a misdemeanor to a felony because you were trying to cover up a state crime when you falsified those records, right? But the states have never resolved whether crimes in other jurisdictions or other types of crimes count to elevate that, i.e., If they're alleging that Trump falsified the business records not to cover up a state crime, but a federal crime, courts in New York have not decided whether that's a valid reason to elevate the statute, right? Because they're alleging, look, this wasn't a murder or a drug deal or whatever. This was campaign finance law. He was covering up federal campaign finance law. Therefore, it elevates the New York state law from a misdemeanor to a felony. Now, my thought on this my thought on this is that because it's a crime it happens to be a federal crime that courts would uphold Bragg's theory that it's elevated from a misdemeanor to a felony because Trump was trying to cover up a crime because a crime could be anything it could be a crime in another state I don't see why you would limit the definition of a crime only to New York state offenses. That doesn't make sense to me. So I predict that eventually courts will uphold that a crime also includes federal crimes, especially because 
At least part of this crime is alleged to have taken place within the jurisdiction of the Southern District of New York, which is also within the jurisdiction of the district attorney in New York, Alvin Bragg. So why would they exclude crimes that are federal crimes that occurred in the same jurisdiction, number one, and number two are, in fact, crimes. They just so happen to be chargeable by a different entity and jurisdictionally be different. I don't see why they wouldn't uphold that, but it doesn't change the fact that it's not settled law. There's no guarantee. There's no guarantee that they rule that way. That's just my take. They might rule a totally different way, for all I know. But... It's an interesting thing because it's not even settled law. Like, they could lose on that, theoretically. Also, you know Trump's going to use that challenge. They're going to move to dismiss it or downgrade the charges on that basis, which is going to have to work its way through the courts in some way, shape, or form. So that could delay things. That could, even after this is over, depending upon whether they seek, you know, they, they seek an appeal right now or an interlocutory appeal, which means they pause the proceedings to go and get the decision before they proceed, or whether the judge rules, you know, for or against and they proceed, or if he rules against Trump, then they would proceed, and then they would decide it on appeal after the case. That remains to be seen. Uh, But either way, it's going to be an interesting question for the courts to deal with. The other issues, obviously, are just provability. So now you've got to prove not only the knowledge uh, from Trump that he was falsifying his business records, but you have to prove. So you're and in order for to prove that, you know, he was falsifying his business records. You've got to first prove that he knew what the payment was actually for, right? So you've got to establish at the front end that he knew he was paying off Cohen to pay off Stormy Daniels. You have to establish that on the front end because that's the requisite mind state for him even falsifying the records, right? Because if he didn't know he was doing that, then he was just writing a check to his lawyer for legal fees and it wasn't falsified. The record wasn't falsified, right? So you got to prove that he knew he was falsifying the record when he falsified it. Therefore, he knew he was paying him for Stormy Daniels, but he wrote it was a legal normal expense. Then you have to prove on the back end that Trump knew that the reason he was falsifying the records was to cover up his violation of campaign finance law, right? So you got to prove that not only did he know he was falsifying the record because he was paying Cohen to recompensate him for paying off these two women, but also that he knew he was covering up a crime when he did that, right? What if Trump just did it that way because he didn't want anybody to know? What if he didn't want his wife to know? What if he didn't want the people to know? What if it was the same consideration, but he really didn't know it was a violation of campaign finance law? He didn't know he was covering up a crime when he wrote the check. Well, then that might not be good enough to elevate it to that level. And if that were to happen and the jury were to return that type of verdict, it might relegate all these charges. Even if Trump is found guilty by a jury, it might make his guilty verdict all guilty on misdemeanors instead of guilty on felonies because that second aspect that elevates the statute was not proven you follow me so there's a lot to be unpacked here and there's a lot that goes into this and the fact is that trump still faces the very real prosecutorial threats from georgia where i think the case looks the strongest where he's on tape on the phone basically trying to convince or extort the secretary of state of georgia for a few thousand votes 
where you have ample testimony, and I don't know all the ins and outs because obviously I wasn't in that grand jury room, but you have ample evidence that there were multiple co-conspirators trying to recruit faithless electors, trying to essentially overturn the result in Georgia and undermine a free election. And there are statutes in Georgia state law that allow for Trump and others to be prosecuted by Fannie Willis down there. So it remains to be seen whether he's indicted in Georgia and Georgia's grand jury issued a report like a month ago now. So it remains to be seen whether Fannie Willis is going to, you know, pursue a grand jury indictment with a regular grand jury in Georgia. There is also the federal inquiry into the papers, the documents that were taken uh, that's still underway. Uh, and there may even be a January 6th inquiry by federal authorities in the Department of Justice in the D.C. area. So this is by no means the only thing that Trump is currently facing in terms of uh, legal threats. But it is the first one and he was indicted on it. So I did want to take some time to explain it. So it's remember Michael Cohen pays off these porn stars. He pleads guilty to campaign finance violations because he didn't report those payoffs as campaign expenses and they clearly were related to the campaign. He does federal time. Now he flips on Trump. He's saying, look, Trump told me to pay them. He knew everything the whole time. The allegation is Trump did in fact pay Cohen back for paying them. He knew the whole time that Cohen was going to pay them off. He was paying him back in installments, but he was falsifying the records because he knew it was for the payoffs, but he was writing down that it was just regular legal fees. Each time he wrote that down falsely, it is a count of the indictment. So it's 34 times that he falsely wrote a business record pertaining to the payments to Cohen. And now it's elevated from a misdemeanor to a felony because Alvin Bragg and his team are alleging that Trump, when he falsified those payoffs, he knew why he was falsifying them in order to cover up the crime of federal campaign finance violations. That's the theory. That's what we're dealing with. Now, A, what is the public impact, right? Do people in the public care? Even if this is true, do they think it's a big deal that Trump was trying to evade campaign finance violations? Do they think it's a big deal that Trump was trying to buy the silence of two women he'd slept with? And I don't say that because I'm underplaying or downplaying it. I'm saying it because you've seen some sentiments out here, especially since... And Trump said it himself. He said he could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue. He could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot someone dead. And people would still vote for him and no one would hold him accountable. And we've seen that since the beginning of him taking off into his political career, that time and time again, he's done blatant things that any other politician, any other president would have been taken to task for and then some. And he's come out scot-free like it's no big deal. So I ask that question in earnest. I really do. Who knows? Who knows whether people will take this seriously or how seriously they will take it? And then... If Trump is convicted, is he going to prison? Is he, you know, you could stack maybe each one of these offenses, you know, consecutively and try to get Trump in prison. But the the sheer fact is that Trump is very unlikely to go to prison on these charges, whether he's convicted or not. That's just a fact. And there is nothing preventing Trump from running from president again, even if he's convicted of a crime. First of all, there's no federal law that prevents Trump from running from president, even from a jail cell. Now. Um, the other thing about that, though, that's interesting is state law is not subject to presidential pardons, right? So if Trump is in prison on a state conviction, he can't pardon himself if he gets elected president. 
he can't pardon himself. So he can only pardon federal defendants. So if he gets elected and he's in a state prison for one of these charges, he can't get out. So he'd have to run the country from the prison. Um, if it's a federal charge, he can, in fact, pardon himself. So it's going to be interesting to see how all of these things play out. America in 2023. Who knew, right? You got to laugh about it. If you don't laugh about it and have a little bit of a, a, a light heart about it, you're going to just go insane. So you might as well laugh. This is where we are. And I'm just, hey, it's Logic and Larry. And I'm explaining it to you in a matter of fact way. So you have the facts. So you have the info. Why take a position? I'm just telling you. These are just as crazy as they may be, as nuts as they may seem, as absurd as they may seem. These are just the actual hypothetical but very real possibilities of things that can happen. This is just what where we are. Um, the only thing that really would have prevented Trump from being able to run or take the presidency would have been if the Senate had convicted him and they were only a few senators away since so many Republicans voted in favor of impeachment. I believe it was 67 Republicans voted in favor of uh, not 67 Republicans, but 67 uh, Senate Senate votes to convict. And that included eight Republicans or something, a few more Republicans, and they would have gotten to the threshold. But whatever. Uh, so Trump is not prevented from running for office, even if he's convicted. But a state charge, he's not going to be able to pardon himself. Anyway, that is the long short of the New York indictment of Trump. That is the long short of Larry's foray into the news this week. That is the long short of this week for me. Uh, I hope everybody has a very happy Easter. I will be back soon on Logic and Larry. Hopefully I'll have a live show soon. Either way, you can expect to hear from me again. Uh, and I'll put another episode out. And if anything else crazy happens in the news or anything else of interest, you best believe I'm going to sit down at the mic. But until then, I'm wishing you all a happy Passover, a happy Easter, a happy Ramadan, happy weekend, and happy spring. And until the next time... Keep it cool and keep it logical.